Welcome, Welcome to, to That's, That's Twinterstein, Twinterstein, a podcast where a set of identical sisters explore all things twin and ask the question, are, are we, we losing or twinning? twinning? I'm Taylor. I'm Skylar. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. I'm older. I'm supposed to be. Technicality. You pushed me. Yes, we look alike. The DNA checks out. No, one of us won't feel it if you hit the other. But you're welcome to try. This, this episode, episode is titled The Silent Twins. Twins. Are you ready? Um, I guess so. I'm gonna sound like Marcel the fucking shell with shoes on, but okay. That's okay. At least everyone can tell us apart this week. <coughs> Don't die. <coughs> hold on, let me... Stop <coughs> dying. I'm tr- hold on, let me get my coffee. Oh my god. It's your what? turn to be shitty. But anyway, let's get to into it. Taylor, what do you have for me today? Okay, this week's episode, we have the story of June and Jennifer Gibbons, also known as the Silent Twins. The Famous Twins was sparked two documentaries on the BBC and a book. Hey, um, did the Perth Twins have names with the same first letter? Um, aside from Jim, I don't believe so. It was Bridget and Paula and Anna and Lucy. I'm glad the parents of those twins decided, like, let's give them names with different letters on them. Um, Unlike all of the parents of the twins that we know who are like, they're going to get the exact same letter and they're going to have similar sounding names. Why? Because fuck you. Let's make all their initials the same because why not? Right? Like your last name's already going to be the same. Your face is already going to be the same. Why does your first initial have to be the same too? I don't know. Anyway. Go ahead. So... I spent three hours watching a one-hour documentary. Why did it take you three hours to watch a one-hour documentary? I had to keep stopping and writing down things because I kept missing the words. Do you even English, bro? Sometimes. It's your first language. How do you have problems with this? Hashtag Lyme disease. Hashtag failed it. Anyway, what did you learn in this three-hour, one-hour documentary? So the one documentary I could find, um, it said, June Allison and Jennifer Lorraine Gibbons were born April 11th, 1963 to Gloria and Audrey. Their parents immigrated from Barbados to the United Kingdom in 1960, but they moved around a lot because their dad was a technician with the Royal Air Force. Um, It said they were late to start speaking, which made their parents worry a little bit. They often spoke very fast, broken English and had a speech impediment, which made them very difficult to understand anyone other than their other twin. Well, I mean, when you can have a whole conversation just using your eyes, being like, hmm, hmm, hmm. That doesn't work very well in a podcast setting. Or when I can't see your face. I tried. This would work better if we actually had a FaceTime call going instead of just, like, audio. It's okay. You, Taylor, you know what I did. Guess. Guess what Guess what faces I just made. Um, you made your, eyebrow- you made your eyebrows go up and tried to stick your um, eyes out of your head. And then you looked off to the side. And then you blinked real hard. And then you did it again. Uh, close. I did raise my eyebrows. I did try to make my eyeballs pop out of my head. And I did look off to the side. But I didn't blink real hard. Good try, good try. But still, like, if, if you can have an entire conversation because this person's been, like, next to you for literally your entire life, which is not that long when you're, like, three, you can have full-on conversations without having to use words. So what's the point of learning them? Yeah, like, when you can start a conversation with, remember that guy from that thing and that thing? And then you go, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then continue the conversation there without even having to verify what you were actually trying to say. It's great. But anyway... It said uh, the twins understood each other pretty well, um, but other people had trouble deciphering what they were saying. The girls quickly grew tired of having to repeat themselves to outsiders, and since they were frustrated, they decided they wouldn't bother to speak at all, and it became a habit that lasted until they were adults. That is commitment to the pettiness. They're like, you know what? Screw you. Yeah, because people would go, 
what'd you say? And they'd say it again. And they'd be like, wait, what'd you say? They're just like, you know what? It's not important enough for us to try and communicate with you guys. So screw you. So the exact opposite of Jacob Tutu. Yes. I remember um, in high school when we tried to do that silent protest and it only lasted until about lunch? No, I think I made it almost to the whole day. The problem was that I tried to do it in class and daddy was like, nah. You speak or I don't talk to you. Yeah, he was like, you speak with your mouth or you don't get credit for participating today. And I'm like, that's rude, man. That's rude. So in 1974, the girls were 11 and their family had settled in Harverford West in Wales, where they lived in Royal Air Force housing. They went to the county secondary school where they were the only black students and they were twins. So they tended to be um, uh, like bullied by the other kids. If this was a video, I put in that gif where that kid goes, that's racist. Actually, I can see if I can find that sound clip because I'm going to put it in. I mean, maybe. That's racist! <laughs> that's unnecessary. The other kids bullied them because they refused to talk and because they were only the, they were they were the only students of color. But also when they did say something, the kids didn't know what they were saying. Did they have their own language or just didn't understand what their English was? It was like um, a really fast like Patois and English mix. Oh, okay, okay. I can understand why they would get a little bit confused if they've ever heard it before. So um, the bullying got so bad that the teachers actually ended up letting the girls out of school five minutes early so they could get away from the school and start their walk home without having to get teased by the other kids. Like, that's how bad it was. That is completely unnecessary. What a bunch of little assholes. One of the doctors that came in to do, like, vaccinations in the school said when he met the girls, um, they looked like they were kind of walking in a mini chain gang, like, one behind the other in line, and they just stared at the ground, didn't speak to anybody. And if you spoke to them, they, they didn't say anything, and their faces held little to no expression. They were later assessed by a child psychologist who diagnosed them as selective mutes. Wouldn't it be interesting if they don't speak to anybody? At all. Ever. But then they get home, they go to their own room, they close the door, and they just have a full-on conversation. Oh, that's what they did. That's, that is what they did? 100% what they did. They would go home when they were younger. They wouldn't speak to anybody outside of the house. But they would go home where they had a bunk bed for them and, like, a, a bed for their little sister, whose name was Rosie. And they actually recorded on, like, a little old tape recorder all of these audio plays with their dolls. Like, kind of like soap operas. You mean how we used to go to the to the twins across the street house and put on like little plays, which nobody ever came to? I mean, our parents did, but only because they had to. I think we did like eight of them in like a week. Um, we did four of them in a day. What are you talking about? I remember we did three little bears. I remember we did bloody fingers. Um, we did Little Red Riding Hood. Amazing. I should see if I can find a picture that we'll include in the show notes. At least I think I have a picture of the three little bears somewhere. I do. I definitely do. I'm literally looking at it on my desk right now. You need to upload it. Okay, anyway, continue on. Radio place. When they were 14, hold on. <laughs> Taylor, stop dying. I'm sorry. I can't fire you, but stop dying. Hold on. Coffee, water, give me a second. Do you know what would have been freaking hilarious if I wasn't recording any of this at all? Oh my god, I would kill you. But I am. Totally am. You're 100% sure you're recording? Now I want you to check. No, I'm watching the screen and I can see little waveform showing up on track one. Okay. And okay, like cool. the bar's moving, so we're good. Don't worry. Cool, cool. Let's get back on track, Taylor. You were dying. Go on. All right. When they were 14, they were transferred to the Eastgate Center for Special Education because their regular teachers decided they couldn't deal with them anymore. They would do weird things like eat super slow. Like the rest of the kids would finish their food and the two girls would like see who could eat their food the slowest. That sounds like an awesome game. Can I play that? <laughs> I mean, we can. 
We used to have slow races in the pool. Right. So I don't see why not. Anyway, they ended up being taught by a lady named Kathy MacArthur, who was a special education teacher. She made a secret recordings of the girls' lessons with a video camera and microphones hidden behind two-way mirrors. Well, she was told they were far behind their peers in their education and their speech. And she was told that they spoke what was thought to be, and I quote, an African click language. That's also racist. Yeah. I mean, it was 1974. So um, after she went through the recordings later, she found that they were really doing nothing more than speaking English really, really fast. It me. And she found that out just by taking the tapes and slowing them down. We should do a podcast episode like that, Taylor. Starting now. No. Aw, oh, come on, why not? <clears throat> when their sister Rosie was 11, she was moved into her own room and the twins stopped speaking to her altogether. Wow, that's rude. She said she felt left out because, like, they would speak to her and like include her and all their stuff but as soon as she changed rooms because you know they got too big to be sharing the one bedroom for the three of them they just stopped speaking to her altogether unlike the last episode where we talked about like how these things were super super weird a lot of this sounds like something i would totally do yeah i mean up until the whole point of we don't speak until one of us dies thing no but like Eating really slowly in unison, something I would totally do. Especially if you're doing it from, like, across the room. Right? Like, just sitting in the corner of the cafeteria, eating, like, as slowly as possible. No, that's something we totally would have done, had we known that this was a thing we could do. The documentaries came out in the 90s, so, I mean, it, it would have been something we could have known about in in high school. Which is funny, because, like, I did a lot of research on twins when I was in, like, grades four through eight, so I don't understand why I never found this out. I think I knew about them, but had I known that there was this documentary, we probably would have watched it, and this would have been us in high school. I mean, you should watch the documentary, it's great. Where did you find it? Um, I think I actually found it on YouTube. Cool. We'll put a link in the show notes. It was said that they lived their lives as a unit, but they didn't quite understand how to differentiate between each other when they were together. In 1977, the girls separately wrote letters to their teachers sharing their desires to be separated so that they could be individuals, but the teachers and doctors decided to let the girls choose how they would separate. Jennifer's personal diaries detailed that to be a twin was to have the same thoughts, feelings, dreams, and bodies, um, everything identical, noting that one time her mother had measured their heights on the wall and mentioned that Jennifer was half an inch taller than June and that she was very displeased. Wait, how did you get taller? Stop it. You cannot be taller than your sister. I think Jennifer would have appreciated the Desinque twins, to be honest. Clearly the Desinque twins watched this documentary and went, Oh, see, their mom would have wanted us to be exactly the same, therefore we must. No, Jennifer was displeased that she was a different size than you, not their mother. Oh, see, you phrased that incorrectly, so I thought that their mother was displeased. I didn't realize it was the twins. You were just weren't listening. I said, noting that one time... Her mother had measured their heights on the wall and mentioned that Jennifer was half an inch taller than June. Oh. Nice try. I guess nice I try. June said she was very displeased. My bad. <laughs> Fired. This was Jennifer's diary if you were listening. Okay, but like still, their mother measured their height and said she was very displeased. What does that sound like to you, Taylor? That sounds like their mother was displeased. Are you even reading the same page that I'm reading right now? Yes, I'm reading your notes. If you read the whole sentence... From the beginning of that sentence to the period, it's which fine. is three it's lines fine. long. It's this is Jennifer's it's personal it's diary's it's detail. It's fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So why would she write what her mother felt I don't in know. her diary? Maybe her mother said out loud audibly, you are taller than your sister. I am displeased. No, Jennifer said she felt displeased because she and her sister were not the same <laughs> anymore because she was bigger. 
Listen. But like with all twins, there's Damn. always one that's bigger than the other one. That's just I know, how we used to play this game of which one's bigger. Are you older or younger? Yeah, I'm doing independent study. I should start asking those questions again. You know, send us a message if you if you happen to know twins. Um, ask them if um which ones which one was bigger at birth and which one's older because we've so far we've found I think that the younger of the twins tended to be bigger. Well, not necessarily the younger of the twins. Um, if the twins have any sort of information on who was the ori- like original and not the quote-unquote clone, as we like to refer to it, um, the clone tends to be the smaller of the two. I'm the clone. Yeah, so initially I was supposed to be twin A and Skylar was supposed to be twin B, but then Yeah, but Taylor she... got it up. Uh, no, you pushed... Shh, it's okay. Anyway... It was also mentioned in the documentary that when their special education staff tried to separate them temporarily, June went catatonic, shaking and rocking back and forth, snot and tears, and drool collecting on her chin in an unsightly beard. Amazing. The teachers decided that the experiment was a bust and reunited the girls. <laughs> but they sent letters to their- they wrote separate letters saying, I want to be separated. Yeah, they requested to be separated and then, and then June was like, I don't like it. Yeah, it's weird. Come on, June, get your shit together. They later paid and sent away for a mail order course called The Art of Conversation when they were teens in, a, in an attempt to learn how to speak to at least their own family with no success. Instead, they threw themselves into writing, wanted to become twin novelists and make to make their family proud. So they spent countless days in their bedroom tapping away on their typewriters. Eventually, they got bored of writing and decided to venture out into the world. What, did they actually end up writing any books or no? Um, they wrote some self-published novels. Um, there were some snippets in the documentary. Um, most of them were about, like, Americans in, like, college or high school. I want um, to find these like, books. partying, doing drugs, and eventually committing murders because that's, or, like, starting fires. That type of stuff. So, who were their protagonists? Just, like, random people. Sometimes it was a dude, sometimes it was a lady. Did they write the same book together, or did they, like, write separate books? They both wrote similar, uh, genres, but different stories. Coo-coo-coo-coo-coo. So, the girls left school when they were 18 and became obsessed with a pair of American twin boys who were marked as extremely disturbed and had dabbled with arson and theft. The girls sought them out and followed the boys around, joining them, indulging in alcohol and acts of arson, and encouraged uh, to steal. The girls had interpreted this as love. Wait, did they move to America, or they just found an American? No, the boys were sent to the UK or something. Okay, so the boys went to, like, a boarding school type of deal. Yeah, they went to, like, a reform school, like, mental hospital institution type thing and they're like yes we are twins please set things on fire and the other ones were like "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm sounds like a good idea they're like you're twins we are twins let's be together i mean it's interesting to think about but please don't yeah no um the girls thought that they were being normal they were coming home late and just having fun like a couple of normal teenagers um the girls struggled with competing for each other's and the boys attention they started becoming violent towards each other Jennifer tried to strangle June with the cord of a radio, and June pushed Jennifer in the river hoping that she would drown. Sibling rivalry. It's fine. I mean, you pushed me off the stairs that one time, so I'm I'm not even surprised. Off the stairs? I mean, I remember pushing you into the porch, but there was a snake. <laughs> there was not a snake. 
I like how your excuse is there was a snake, but I don't remember there being a snake. And I there remember was, there was a garter looking... snake between the houses, and I saw it, and if you were in the way, and I pushed you, and I'm sorry, but there was a snake. I was three years you old. Remember how you acted when the snake went over your foot? I didn't shove you into the lake, Taylor. <laughs> That's because I ran away. I waited patiently for the snake to run over my foot, and as soon as it was a safe distance away, I freaked out and went in the house. <laughs> Yeah, but to the rest of us, it seemed like you didn't notice what crawled over your foot until it was 10 feet away and you went, ah, a snake! No, 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 no. I noticed. I watched it go over my foot. I just waited patiently till it was away from me and ran. <laughs> Still not as good as the day that you tried to pet a skunk thinking it was a cat. Listen, listen, it was fluffy. It was so fluffy I was gonna die. Um, no, thank you. Why would you try to strangle her sister with the cord of a radio? It was there. Like, I get fighting, but wanting to murder, like, legitimately murder your sister? They had some issues. Just a few. June recounts the summer of 1982 as the best summer of their lives full of sex, drugs, and love. An attempted murder. The twins decided one day to break into the twin boys' apartment and found a note saying that they were going back to America later that month and the girls were heartbroken and they felt abandoned. So they receded into themselves again, and that autumn they decided to start hanging out on the streets at night looking for trouble. That's a love story gone wrong. Times two. Why do you have so many pages of notes? Because it was that crazy. I told you, they needed their own episode. Okay. So what kind of trouble did they look for? Well, I can't read it because apparently Mother's calling me. Why aren't you using your computer for your notes? Because Notability's not on my computer. No, now she's trying to call me. Hang on. I'm gonna answer it on my iPad. Tell her we're working. Hang on. Welcome to my podcast. How may I help you? Yes. That's why neither of us is answering. <laughs> look, she's dying too. Well, I answered on my phone, but look, we're recording and shit. Okay, say hi to my say hi to the podcast. Hi to the podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was our mother. Anyway, crime. What's what what sort of trouble? Uh, Jennifer wrote in her diary entries about her acts of arson with the help of June, and planned on setting as many fires as possible before they were found. They were held in Puckle Church Remand Center in Bristol for seven months while they awaited trial. Their handwritten diaries held as all the evidence they needed to press charges on the girls. While in Puckle Church, the girls were, remained silent for most of their time. Their diaries were the only things that were an honest insight into the girls' thoughts and fears. Mistake number one, why would they write down what they did, fools? Because they were novelists, Skylar. It's research for a book. The girls were initially housed together, but ended up fighting and were separated, and then went into inconsolable states where they had to be reunited, and there was just this really awful cycle where they were just, you know, separated, reunited, separated, reunited, separated, reunited. Every couple days. Reunited, try to kill each other, separate. Freak out to the point of, like, throwing up because they can't even. Put back together, try to kill each other again, get separated. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, to be fair, we did that. We did similar things. I wanted to use your pencil crowns for something and you didn't want to let me use your pencil crowns. So then I would, like, try to fight you. And then they had to, like, put us on opposite sides of the classroom, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Shh. Nobody needs to know about those things, Skylar. Shh. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a secret? I don't remember what you're talking about, honestly. Weird. Maybe maybe it didn't happen. I don't know. Maybe you dreamed it. I remember the fight we had where we didn't talk for, like, three days, and then he threw Arthur at my door, and he goes, 
You're my best friend. And I'm just like, that, that's rude, Arthur. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> what, what were we even fighting about? I don't remember what the fight was about. All I remember is Arthur ended it. Moving on. The psychologists and lawyers didn't know what to do, but they ended up having an internal phone installed where the girls agreed to short verbal conversations with their support staff, who found there was a lot more confusing stuff going on. June 21st, 1982, at the age of 19, the girls were sentenced to life at Broadmoor Hospital for arson. They were locked in this high-security hospital for 11 years. Shortly after they were brought to Broadmoor, they were both they were both diagnosed as schizophrenics and were prescribed tranquilizers. And for the first time in a while, they started to speak. Wait, they put them on tranquilizers and then they started talking? Yes. Because they were so loopy. They were so loopy that they thought that their sister was there. So they're like, I'm going to talk to you right now, June. No, I think they just started talking in general, just like blabbing about everything, anything that was on their mind because they couldn't filter it. Hmm. Interesting. The girls were housed in different wards, so they wrote letters to each other daily and saw one another as much as they were allowed by staff. One letter from Jennifer's notes said that she felt they were old spinsters, only to be with with each other for the rest of their lives. So like Marge's sisters in, um, in The Simpsons. Like Patty and Selma? Yeah, Patty and Selma. Jennifer noted that she felt like she was meant to die earlier in life. However, this was just a feeling that she had. But it was said that they felt like neither could live while the other was still around. So during their stay, they had agreed upon... Um, they had agreed that if one of them died, the other had to start living normally. You're welcome. No. What they said was, if one of them died, the other one had to start living normally and integrate in- back into society. Okay, so it's not the Harry Potter prophecy. No, and not be this creepy, like, silent mute that doesn't say anything to anybody ever and just stares. Did they agree this mutually or did one of them look at the other one and be like, listen, bitch, if I die, I'm going to need you to start living like a human being. I think it was a mutual, it was a mutual thing that they came to. But Jennifer noted in one of her diary entries that she was going to be the one who had to sacrifice herself. What? Yeah. I don't love you that much. Yeah. I'll give you a kidney. Um, I'll give you part of my liver, but you I'm not dying for you. Sorry, not sorry. Um, a month before their 30th birthday, they were told that they were going to be transferred to a regular hospital for treatment. The day before transfer, Jennifer said that she felt unwell. June mentioned that she was weak and tired looking, and Jennifer had her head resting on June's lap. And she said to her sister, um, at last we're out of Broadmoor. After they were transferred, Jennifer was unconscious upon arrival. They said they couldn't wake her up and she had died of acute myocarditis, which was an inflammation of the heart muscle, which usually isn't fatal. So she's like, ah, my heart hurts a little bit. I shall die. So apparently she was just asleep in June's lap during the transfer to Caswell Clinic, but her eyes were like wide open throughout the whole ride. So like when you sleep. I don't sleep with my eyes wide open. (laughs) Okay, only half open. Shit, don't tell people. It's okay, I do it too. Anyway, her sister creepily kept her eyes open the whole time, even though she was dead. Yeah, so the doctors performed an autopsy on Jennifer and concluded that there was no drugs or foul play in the cause of her death. Um, So the doctors left June in the morgue with Jennifer for about a half an hour with her sister's body. June decided that she was going to take her sister's hat, earrings, and dress as a keepsake. Something to remember her sister by. I mean, she has her whole face already, so, like, how many more keepsakes does she need? June actually mentioned... 
um, in the interviews. It was shortly after they had buried Jennifer. June said that Jennifer had sacrificed herself and freed her from, like, whatever crazy twin cage they were in. And after a year of Cas- of being in Caswell Clinic under observation, June got released on parole on March 18th, 1994. And then she got to go out and be her own free woman. And on her day of release, June said that she had to live a day for her and a day for her sister because she felt lucky to be alive. Hmm. Basically, um, they became hermits, silent hermits, to everyone aside from themselves and started burning things down because of bullying and a breakup. Yep. And wanting to see how much they could get away with before getting caught. But, you know, they wrote it down, so... Yeah. Mistake number one. Do not leave. Evidence. Plebs. So, um, do you think we're uh, twinning or losing in this situation? Um, I think we're losing, honestly, because we missed out on opportunities to be really weird kids in the cafeteria. I mean... I'm disappointed in us. I guess. Thank you for listening to That's Twinteresting with your hosts, Skylar and Taylor. Editing by Twin A, research by Twin B. Don't forget to follow our Twinstagram at That's Twinteresting and visit our website, thatstwinteresting.com, for show notes and pictures of the twins we've discussed. We'll catch you next time. Okay, bye! bye.